Welcome, this is Cato Daily Podcast with Anastasia Yaglova. Today is Wednesday, May 2nd. For today's podcast, I interview Joe Batagori, a contributor in this spring's issue of Regulation Magazine. Joe is a fellow at the Health Policy Center in Bethesda and a former deputy director at the National Cancer Institute. His article, Stoking the Rigged Terror of Secondhand Smoke, exposes the fallacies and fabrications in the scientific literature documenting the risks of secondhand tobacco smoke. I'm on the phone with Joe today. Would you say that the risks of secondhand smoke are exaggerated? Well, they're not exaggerated. They are invented. In order to exaggerate something, you have to start from some point that you can justify. The fact is that none of the risks of ETS are justified in any measurable way. And so whatever is said about the ETS risk is not exaggerated, it's simply invented. But numerous studies claim otherwise, and hasn't the Surgeon General personally testified as to the risks of secondhand smoke? Well, that doesn't make it measurable or measured. In fact, none of the studies, none of the reviews of the Surgeon General and others can justify to have measured ETS exposure. You write in your article that on careful reading, the scientific literature does not support the horrific claims of the Surgeon General about secondhand smoke, as you've just said. What do the studies actually purport then? Well, the studies make the allegation that there are some risks, but in order to arrive at some risk definition, one would have to, first of all, be sure that he has measured the exposure to ETS, to environmental tobacco smoke. Actually, they would have to show more than exposure. They would have to show that they have measured the actual dose that people inhaled, something that is not possible. It's simply physically not possible because what they would have to do is to measure the cumulative dose or exposure over a lifetime of these people. And as you can imagine, trying to figure out how much a person has been exposed to ETS or how much ETS he has inhaled, it's really an impossible task. So you're saying that measuring ETS risk is not quantifiable, but what is then the methodology that researchers use to measure ETS risk? They simply assume that they have measured ETS exposure. They assume. Well, how? According to what rubric? To no rubric whatsoever. What they do, let me take it back a moment. Here we are talking about the major risks that the Surgeon General and the studies talk about are lung cancer and cardiovascular diseases. These are both diseases that occur late in life around 60, 70 years old, so that one would have to measure the exposure of a person over the previous 50 or 60 years of his life. Since it is not possible to do so, physically impossible, the studies simply ask people to tell them to recall what was their exposure to environmental tobacco smoke in the previous life. So then it's not measured at all. They simply ask people on a questionnaire or over the phone, how much were you exposed to environmental tobacco smoke over your lifetime? And these people will come up with some figure. They say, oh, Uncle Joe was smoking three pipes a day. My father smoked two and a half packs a day, but my mother did not, my sister or my brother. See, all these kind of nonsensical recalls that are then quantified as numbers by the studies. 
So when, when researchers interview lung cancer victims, how do they control for the fact that their lung cancer was a product of ETS exposure and not something else? They can't either say because they will have to know how many of the other risks for lung cancer are impinging on a particular person, which is obviously something that is also not possible. There are in the literature over two dozen risk factors for lung cancer, independent of ETS exposure and whatnot. And you'd have to control for each one of these factors in order to be able to exclude that they are not interfering on an ETS evaluation. And obviously to control for these factors is also physically not possible. Okay, on an analytical level, these claims are definitely specious, but is it necessary really to obtain precise measurements of ETS exposure? Isn't it plainly obvious that secondhand smoke can't possibly be any good for people? Well, it is not plainly obvious. 30 years ago, nobody was worried about environmental tobacco smoke exposure. It may be annoying. Somebody may feel that he doesn't like the smell or something of the sort. The opposition to environmental smoke today is mostly due to the propaganda that has been made around the, the alleged risks of environmental tobacco smoke. Now, I don't want to say that environmental tobacco smoke is healthy or children should be exposed to environmental tobacco smoke. The only thing I'm saying here is that the alleged risks of lung cancer and cardiovascular diseases are simply not sustained by any evidence. But as you know, the claims about environmental tobacco smoke have been used to great efforts of uh, social engineering, so to speak, in order to persuade people to stop smoking. So that the entire affair about the policy implications of environmental tobacco smoke are really what I would call a political and social fraud at this point. Thank you, Joe. And thank you for listening to Cato Daily Podcast. Cato is a nonprofit organization. If you like what you hear and would like to make a contribution, you can find out how on our website at www.cato.org. Thank you.